Good morning, family of God. Um, I want to invite you now to open your Bibles or one of the few Bibles to the Gospel of John. We're going to be in John chapter 15. We'll be exploring verses 7 to 11. And if you're using the Pew Bible, uh, I believe it's on page 901. Now, for Rivermont, we are walking through our summer sermon series on relational discipleship, knowing that a disciple is one who follows Jesus Christ as God and Savior. It's so easy, though, to complicate discipleship in our age of information and to-do lists. Uh, We might want to complicate discipleship towards more doing than being in Christ. Now, if you feel scattered and distracted, as I sometimes do, these verses encourage our ongoing maturity in Christ through abiding anchors of discipleship, but also abiding anchors for our souls. We experience in Jesus Christ the communal, intimate nature of discipleship, as we see the relational nature of being in Christ with Him and with one another. Now the context in John chapter 15, Jesus is with His disciples in the upper room before His death upon the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and the resurrection for our salvation. Jesus here affirms the last of the seven I Am sayings of Christ in the Gospel of John. In verse 1 of chapter 15, 15, he simply says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Then in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Jesus as the true vine brings life to each of the branches. The purposes of the branch is to bring nourishment to the branches in order that they might produce fruit and bring glory to God the Father. So for you and for me, the vitality of our spiritual life is dependent upon the connection that we have with Jesus Christ as the true vine. Our discipleship and our souls depend upon our relationship with Jesus. So for our abiding anchors of discipleship in our souls, please hear now the reading of God's Word. John 15, verses 7 to 11. Jesus says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, as we now give attention to your word, Please open the eyes of our hearts that we might behold the wonders of your love. Holy Spirit, pour light upon these words which you have caused to be inspired and write them now upon our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now some of you know that for most of my years of walking in Jesus, and that now has been four decades, there have been two 
parallel themes. First, God has consistently proven his faithfulness in love and providing for me gospel fellowship and friendship, rich worship and discipleship, favor in the workplace, a beautiful wife, a loving son, care for my aging parents, plus guidance and joy in ministry. That has been one theme that has been very clear over the years. And I know it's all of his grace. And yet the second parallel theme has consistently been various means in which God has demonstrated that he is God and Ron is not. Now, whether walking through the pain of infertility or the call to care for my dad and my mom before God called them heavenward, God has been faithful to break my tendencies of self-reliance and self-sufficiency and also of pride. He has caused me to accept that He is sovereign and good, that indeed in my weakness, Jesus is my strength. Now more recently, this understanding that God is God and I am not has been matured to realize that I, that we, need to rest in Jesus Christ daily. To rest in Him, to abide in His love, to experience joy in personal relationship to our Savior. While Jesus calls us His friends, He does so later in this chapter, we're not on equal footing. Meaning He is Lord and King and there is grace in obedience. And I rest in Him, my Savior and my God, and it is well for my soul. So today we connect resting in Christ and knowing His peace and the joy of generational ministry of discipleship. We do so in a season where many of us are concerned with the ongoing impact of the coronavirus, the tension of mounting pressures of vaccinations for the common good versus individual freedom to discern what is best. The ministry staff and many of you are dealing with the heartache of what we had assumed was behind us in terms of what we think of in terms of face mask and physical distancing. Oh, I, how I long to greet one another in the fellowship of the peace of Christ with hugs and handshakes. We also have tension, though, for families, friends, and the church is resurfacing, especially as we listen to media and discern what is best from the medical community. I've seen it divide families in ways that I never dreamed that it would do. And with me, though, we long to rest in Christ as we grieve what is happening in Afghanistan, in Haiti, as well as what our friends and family may be suffering. And yet as we bear the burdens of our dear covenant family facing sickness and strain, we need Jesus Christ now as we always have. We need intimacy with Christ and nourishment from Him. We need to live out the first question and answer of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. What is the chief end of man? The answer is man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. You know, in this call to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever, Jesus invites us to be about a labor for with each generation that He has created us to do in discipleship as we encourage one another to grow in Jesus Christ. 
For our verses are all about glorifying God, abiding in Christ, remaining in His Word, bearing fruit in love, and enjoying Him forevermore. By God's grace, we can glorify God and enjoy Him as we embrace Jesus and the, the, the abiding anchors for discipleship in our souls that He provides. So in our text, Four elements combined that should be clearly visible in the church. That's among all of us as God's family. And it begins with abiding in Christ, His Word, and in prayer. Verse 7. If you abide in Me, and My words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So we abide in Jesus We must have a true relationship to Christ, one of being in vital connection with Jesus Christ as the as the vine. Family, we need intimacy with Jesus to face all that is occurring around us. We need a living relationship in which you trust Christ and his merits merits for your salvation, where our confidence is not in our works or human effort, but rather in what Christ has done for us in his perfect life and His atoning death upon the cross. And we need a living, maturing relationship with Christ as the vine as you face this life each day with Him in joy. So our aim in discipleship is to encourage a deepening relationship with Jesus Christ. We receive His love and we love Him each day, every day, by His grace. Now, while it's tempting to reduce discipleship to activity and programs, the well-being of our souls in growth relates to being rooted and resting in Jesus. Your dependence and joy are found in knowing Him. You can honestly say as He gives you life that He is my life, my joy, my everything. And to do so, we also remain in His Word. Because as we focus upon the Word, we digest the Word as part of our lives. We allow the Bible to connect our private life and our life together in worship and discipleship and mission. And it means that we cannot separate our relationship to Jesus from the Word of God and prayer. They go together. This is God's design. This is why it works, as Cam told us last week. This is God's design for you and for me. For the primary way that Christ reveals Himself to us is through the Word of God. So we spend time in His Word asking the Spirit to reveal more and more of our Savior in loving relationship. Oh, brothers and sisters, do you see this truth? The Scriptures best reveal the person, the love, and the call of Christ. The Bible gives direction for life and peace. So we embrace the Word of God consistently, both individually and And corporately, we continue in prayer. Jesus says that if we abide in him and his words abide in us, then ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, Jesus has already told his disciples in John chapter 14, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask me anything In my name, I will do it. This means 
We have the freedom and peace to ask anything of the Lord Jesus Christ coupled though with these safe qualifications. We have the stability and security of His Word, His good purpose, His will for our lives, and the glory of God the Father. So we pray and live as free children of God, protected by the all-wise boundaries of our Heavenly Father. We pray for the glory of God in our individual and community life. We pray privately, we pray corporately in our homes and together in worship and in discipleship. So at this point, and I'm convicted by some of these questions, do you daily embrace the Lord Jesus Christ and rest in Him? Are His words abiding in you? Do you drink deeply of the truth of God's Word so that His truth forms the heart of your prayer life? If you desire to love Christ and to pray effectively, then dig deeply into God's Word, meditate upon it, saturate yourself in its eternal truth. Approach the throne of grace based on His merits. Align yourself in relationship to Him and His purposes. Surrender to His desire and will for us. Allow His priorities to become our priorities. Then enjoy the second abiding anchor for discipleship in our souls. Bearing fruit for the Father's glory. Verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. Bearing fruit, dear family of God, has an aim. It's the glory of God. Jesus tells us that in bearing much fruit, the Father is glorified. The point of planting a vineyard is not to grow pretty leaves. Although I love fuchsia colored uh, bushes this time of year but rather is to grow fruit. Now, I love a garden, yet I confess that I'm not much of a gardener. Yet I can identify some types of trees. You know, in the hills around us in due season, I've seen trees with round fruit, and I have probably correctly concluded that that's an apple tree because there's apples on it. You say, well, duh. Anyone can identify a tree by its fruit. Yes, and Jesus said something very similar when He looked at you and for me, that we can indeed judge a tree by its fruits. It's true, and it's also convicting. Someone should be able to look at you and your life and say, "Uh Uh-huh, duh, that's a believer. Someone should look at our church and say, yes, That's a church alive in Jesus Christ because of their fruits. Since God has saved us for His glory, it's important to know what this fruit is. And I believe in essence, fruit is the beautiful character of Jesus Christ that is growing in our lives by the Holy Spirit. Just as an apple tree bears apples, not thistles, so a Christian produces Christ-likeness. We're becoming more like our Savior. And that means that we exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Having Christ dwell in our hearts by faith is at the root of our fruits. This fruit matures in relationship with Jesus and with one another. It brings glory to God. 
And in the context of John 15, bearing fruit highlights the fruit of love, evident through our loving kindness and care for each other. I say this because of verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, the fruit of love as the fruit of the Spirit involves the way we commit ourselves to the well-being of others without any conditions or qualification. It includes the way we embrace our spouses and treasure our children. It includes the exercising of our spiritual gifts for the body's benefit. It extends from our ministries in the body to our acts of kindness, to the poor and to the needy around us. It includes our faithfulness in being a servant to others, to our involvement in Lynchburg and in the world in our mission. For us as a church, you remember our mission statement that we seek the renewing of lives through God's compelling love in Lynchburg and the world. And your commitment to worship, discipleship, and mission supports our health and abiding anchors for discipleship that we call Rivermont Evangelical Presbyterian Church. This fruit provides a testimony to God's grace, which brings glory to His name. So, dear brothers and sisters, are you growing in love, in holiness, in patience, in righteousness? Do you seek to demonstrate this fruit of the Spirit in the context of each and every relationship that God has given you? Oh, my friend, He is honored. Christ is honored. The Father is glorified when we bear much fruit for Him. The way to bear much fruit, the character of His Son blossoming within us, is by abiding in Christ and by asking for grace in prayer along the way. So be anchored in Christ, His Word and prayer. Bear the fruit of love. And now the third anchor for discipleship in our souls is this. Abide in His love. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. What a staggering statement. Just as the Father has perfectly loved the Son throughout all eternity, never wavering in his love, so Jesus loves us. Why would we not want to be intimate with Christ and commit to growth in Him? Why not? He loves us with infinite, inexhaustible love. And as Paul puts it in Galatians 2, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. And gave himself for me. Abiding in Christ's love is essential if you want a genuine, fresh, and fruitful Christian life. If your experience of his love fades, his commandments will seem burdensome. Serving him will become drudgery and you will become vulnerable to all sorts of temptations. But the way you keep your love for Christ fresh is to remember His great love for you. Never get over the wonder that the eternal Son of God loved you and gave Himself for you. And that He prays for you from the throne room of of heaven. 
He demonstrates His own love for you in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died the death that we deserve to die so that we might have life in His name. And so we pray, along with Paul in Ephesians 3, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up with all the fullness of God. Sometimes I understand we doubt Christ's love when we go through difficult trials. We mistakenly think if God really loved me He wouldn't allow these awful things to happen. But Jesus says, just as the Father loved me, so He loves us. Did the Father's perfect love for the Son mean that He spared Him from trials? No. He came to do the Father's will, namely the cross. For the joy that was set before Him, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated now at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews 12. So does the Lord's perfect love for you mean that He will spare you from all trials? No. Because it's usually through such trials that we come to know Him more deeply. It's what Paul called the fellowship of His sufferings. As someone has said, never interpret God's love by your circumstances. Rather, interpret your circumstances by God's love. For greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Verse 13. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us. John 3.16. First John 3.16. My friends, continue in faithfulness as a disciple with the full assurance that the smile of the Savior and the activity of His love is upon you in this security of abiding in Christ's love that keeps us pressing on to follow Him as joyful disciples. So we anchor ourselves by abiding in Christ, His Word, and in prayer through bearing fruit by abiding in His love. And the final anchor is here to obey His commandments with His joy. Verse 10, If you keep My commandments, you will abide in My love, just as I have kept My Father's commandments and abide in His love. You know, verses 10 and 11 are kind of the spiritual culmination of being and resting in Christ. They're building. It's dependent on what we have done before and what we do each day. But keeping His commandments is this overflow of abiding in Him and His love. It is the outgrowth of prayer and loving one another as He has loved us all by the Spirit. As we live and encourage one another in community. Now, by definition, keeping His commandments means that we take the commands of Christ seriously. We hold them to be precious. We give attention to closely following what our Lord commands. Can we abide in Christ and His Word as presented in the Bible without obeying Him? No. 
Why? Because we have vital relationship with Christ, we are drawing our life from the vine. Be thankful for the blessing of conviction. We'll never obey perfectly. But praise God for grace and for forgiveness as we become more like Jesus. Giving evidence of abiding in His love, our responsive obedience somehow becomes our delight. And notice, by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. This is John in 1 John chapter 2. Notice though, and this is so good, Jesus is not commanding us to do something that He did not do Himself. Listen to how Jesus finishes the call. If you keep My commandments, you will abide in My love, just as I have kept My Father's commandments and abide in His love. Family, we sing about being like Jesus. We sing about resting in Christ. We talk about Him being our example. We study His life. We marvel at His fellowship. We abide in Him and in His Word and in prayer. And Jesus now calls us to action. Don't just observe me. Follow me as my disciple in my obedience to the Father as you abide in me and my Word. And Jesus says, we move forward in joy, for these things have I spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You know, the world offers joy when things are going pretty well. It's relatively easy to have joy when you have a happy marriage, beautiful children, a satisfying way well-paying job, good health, you're not overweight, all things are good, uh, I can have joy. Yet our joy in Christ is so much more secure. For our present position and reality in Jesus as we trust Him, His joy flows over into us. And it's a growing process in our walk as His disciples. For joy is a divine gift within every believer in relationship to Christ. It is also the Spirit's fruit in our character. It's the radiant outshining of redemptive life. How can someone who knows the full pardon of the weight of his sins and the gracious forgiveness secured in Christ not be joyful? How can anyone in intimate relationship with Jesus not be overwhelming? with joy and praise. Our joy is found throughout our discipleship of all the abiding in Christ and His love. Now this doesn't mean to put on a happy face when you're hurting inside. For Hebrews tells us very realistic, re- realistically that God's discipline for the moment does not seem joyful but sorrowful. The Bible also acknowledges that there is a time for tears and grieving and we know that. And so here are a few pastoral encouragements. If you recognize that you are falling short in bearing fruit with love and joy, please do not accept your imperfections, shrug your shoulders, and let the issue fall by the wayside. Rather, confess your sin, repent of those things that hinder Christ's character from developing, apply the promises of Scripture, and depend upon the Spirit to form more Christ-likeness within you. 
Now that's grace. Also, check your motives from time to time. Ask, why do I want to bear fruit? If you're serving the Lord so that others will say nice things to you and about you, if you feel hurt when people don't give you enough praise, it may indicate that you're not serving for God's glory. Your motives may be wrong because you're seeking your own glory, not God's glory. Also, check your source of power. Oh, this is hard for me sometimes. For if you're serving the Lord in your own strength and just asking Him for a little help now and then, you're not serving in His power. You may be working hard, but working hard with fatigue. So if you feel a little burned out, look to Jesus in His strength and your own weakness. Rely on God's power and His rest, as Paul said, for this purpose I labor, striving to his, with His power, which mightily works within me. Again, this is all of grace. Abide in Him, His Word, and in prayer. Abide in His love. Obey Him in joy. For there is grace in obedience. There is grace in obedience. We are set free to live for Him in joy. So dear family of God, here we are. Living in a world in which we love family and friends. Suffering from sickness and loss. We strain with the Delta variant of the coronavirus. We grieve over what is happening in Afghanistan, in Haiti. We bear one another's burdens in love. Yet God is God and we are not. By His grace and power, we rest in Christ and grow together in worship, discipleship, and mission. For you individually and for the church as a whole, all of life is affected by your relationship with Jesus. So live in daily dependence upon Christ for both your salvation and your daily walk. To love Him, to trust Him, to know His joy are all great witnesses to a watching world and also a great blessing to your brothers and sisters in Christ. O family of God, the fruit of love and joy adorn the Gospel of Jesus. So may we abide in Christ in His Word and His prayer. May we rest in Him and bear fruit to the glory of His name. Amen. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, only the deep, deep love of Jesus by the power of Your Holy Spirit can transform our lives to know the joy of biblical prayer, of bearing fruit, and trusting You to faithful obedience. O God, may we abide in Christ and His love as He gives us grace to be more like Him. We ask it in His holy, precious name. Amen. In response to the Gospel, we rest in Jesus Christ in all of His majesty and His love.
So let us therefore stand to affirm our common love and faith in Christ through use of the Colossian Creed. Dear family of God, whom do you believe and trust? We believe in Christ Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Please, you may be seated. As we come to this time for prayer, I'd like to remind you that the Rivermont family gathers for an hour of prayer on Sunday afternoons at 4 p.m. in the chapel. You are welcome to attend this time of prayer. We would also very much like to know what joys and concerns you have on your heart, so we can be praying for you. As noted in the bulletin, you can go to rivermont.org prayer and uh, share your you know, prayer request with us. 
For your prayer time throughout this coming week, I'd like to lift up to you those noted in the bulletin who are still recuperating with health issues. And remember the staff of our local campus outreach. This is a very busy and exciting time of year for the staff as students descend on our colleges and universities. Please keep them in your prayers. We also celebrate with Jennifer and John Neal and the birth of their daughter, Alalyn Elizabeth, born Friday at 7 pounds, 10 ounces. It was a tough day for Jen, so pray for her rest and recovery. We also celebrate the birth of Calvin Andrew Davy, born to John and Alyssa on Thursday in Durham, North Carolina. Proud grandparents are Lori and Randy Davy. It's always so exciting to be able to pray for new life, isn't it? Uh, lastly, the EPC leadership team at the national level has issued a call to prayer for all the EPC church leadership teams to be mindful for the need to pray with one mind and one heart for all those suffering around this world, specifically due to the wildfires, the storms and hurricane destruction in Haiti, the Delta variant increases of the virus, and the upheaval in Afghanistan with unimaginable destruction of lives and families. Now, let us humbly approach the throne of grace. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you are our God and that you have established your covenant of grace with us in the firm foundation laid for us at the cross and in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We give you thanks that we are adopted sons of God through your Son, and that in him we are heirs of eternal life and all the blessings of heavenly life in communion with you. We thank you for the promises of your word, which are secure for us in Christ having been purchased for us by his precious atoning blood. Father, we praise you for this new life you have brought into the world and to this covenant church family named Alalim, daughter to John and Jennifer Neal. We pray this child grows in the wisdom and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for Jennifer's healing and physical rest as she and John find rest in you. We also lift up to you, Lord, Calvin Andrew and the entire Davy family on Calvin's entrance into this world. May you bless this child into the loving arms of Jesus. In praying for missions, Lord, we want to lift up to you our Lynchburg staff of campus outreach. We pray for the multitude of students that will fill our surrounding colleges and universities this fall. And ask that you, Lord, open doors for the staff to develop strong, Christ-centered relationships with these students. We pray, Lord, that you encourage our campus outreach staff, equipping them with inspiration from your word, that brings freedom from the bondage of sin to this new generation of students and brings glory to you, Lord, by building laborers on the campus for the world. O oh Lord, we lift up. We live in such a time of turmoil and distress. Our thoughts wander to those close around us whose problems weigh heavily on our hearts today. Our minds drift even further to the destructive wildfires out west, to the earthquake and storm destruction in Haiti, to the ever-increasing Delta variant and all the American and Afghan souls, uncertain of their fate even an hour from now. We live in a world where fear, chaos, and violence often seems to overtake the beauty of life. We find ourselves shrinking in anxiety. Yet, we believe that you are the one who calls us to stand up for what is good and right, to bring purpose and meaning to our world, to live in your will and your ways serving your people. So help us, dear Lord, to manage our fears that we might continue to do the good that you have called us to do. 
Other things may seem to be spiraling out of our control, but we know for certain they are not out of your sovereign control. Amongst all the suffering of these tragic events, there are stories to be told, your stories, stories of redemption, of healing, of sacrifice. There are stories of compassion, of forgiveness, of repentance. We often do not hear of these stories, but we know they exist and exemplify your glory, and your glory reigns supremely over the worst of any suffering. Father, may all who are suffering come to know the peace and the comfort that comes from the one true God. May you have mercy on them all. Today we pray especially for Greg Alte, Terry Beckloff, Michael Herbert, Will Jenkins, and Mike Pogue. We pray that they might feel your loving and healing hands upon them. May your grace and mercy be poured out to them and their families. There are many of us who carry concerns that need to be yielded to you and left in your hands. Yet sometimes we feel as if you need to pry them out of our clenched fists. Help us to release all our concerns to you, trusting in your goodness. As we envision the week ahead, we know we need your wisdom and presence. Let this be our prayer. Lead us to seek you, and we might be transformed into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We continue our worship by responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ through the giving of ourselves, and the giving of his tithes and our offerings. There are several ways you can do this. There are offering plates in the narthex if you would like to give at the close of service. You can also text the gift, give online, or mail in your check. The details of these options are noted in your bulletin.
Let us respond in unison with the offertory prayer found in your bulletin. Almighty and gracious Father, we give you thanks and praise for all your goodness to us and over all creation. 
above all, we give thanks for the gift of your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, in whom alone we have life and peace and everlasting joy. Trusting in him, our Savior, we offer our hearts to you, eagerly and entirely, with joy and gratitude. And we pray that you will bless and multiply these tokens of our lives and use them for the sake of your kingdom throughout the earth for the glory of your name. Amen. Amen.
Dear family of God, secured and resting in the loving arms of Jesus Christ, reach forth your arms to receive His blessing. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.